This is Gene Lance on the Worker's Beat Extra. Don't call KNON radio station while I'm talking because I'm not there. This is a recording. We, uh, we always make a few extra podcasts during the week, and this is our podcast. The topic that I want to take up today is The Trial of the Chicago 7, a new movie that's on Netflix. Now, this has been treated in other movies earlier. There's a, there's a documentary and two or three other movies about the trial of the Chicago 7. This was probably the best of the bunch. If you want to know about the technicalities of the movie, look it up on Wikipedia. If you want to know about the artistic aspects, which I wouldn't blame you because it was a very, very well done movie, Roger Ebert has a rave review, which is online. That's not what I want to talk about, about the trial of the Chicago 7. The reason that Chicago 7 is so relevant for today is that it gives us a chance to contrast the strategies that the different people in the movie had. This movie makes the different ideologies clear. There were a lot of approaches to the anti-war movement during the Vietnam invasion, and not all of them are in this movie, but some of the critical ones were. And with our historical hindsight in the rearview mirror, we can get some process of evaluation a little bit scientifically and decide what was working and what wasn't really working. In 1969, the leaders of the Black Panthers, Students for a Democratic Society, the newly formed Yippie Party, and one pacifist associated with the War Resisters League were all put on trial for having crossed state lines in order to, quote, incite a riot, end quote, at the Democratic Party National Convention in 1968. It was a political show trial staged by the Nixon administration in hopes of dampening the anti-war fervor of the time. And the movie makes that quite clear. Now, for those of you who aren't old enough to remember the 1968 Democratic Convention, uh, was a very interesting one because the, can the TV cameras were not just inside, they were also out on the streets where young students were getting their heads broken by the Chicago police. And uh, it looked as though there were a revolution underway. It was quite an exciting time. And uh, the result of it was that uh, Hubert Humphrey, who was expected to be the Democratic Party nominee, he had served as vice president and uh, was saying that he was going to carry on uh, what uh, Lyndon Johnson had been doing earlier, which was to continue escalating the war. So Hubert Humphrey, the so-called happy warrior from the Cold War days, was expected to be the vice presidential candidate with a very good chance of getting reelected. He didn't. And the, the riots or the, the bloodshed at the Democratic Convention, I'm sure, played some role in that. Nixon's strategy, as I said, was to try to scare away the anti-war activists by putting them on trial, putting them in jail for, for extended periods. You can look at his strategy very simply and evaluate whether or not it worked. Did the anti-war movement go away or diminish during the trial or afterwards? No, it certainly didn't. 
In fact, the trial was on television just about every day, all the way through its five months, five months duration. And uh, people learned a lot about the anti-war movement. And the anti-war movement actually grew probably because of what happened at the trial of the Chicago 7. What is much more interesting for us, though, is the contrasting approaches of the defendants, because they weren't really together. Some of them didn't even know each other, and some of them really had nothing to do with uh, what took place in Chicago in 1968, particularly the Black Panthers. Bobby Seale was at that time the leader of the Black Panthers, and he was not involved in organizing the demonstrations in Chicago. He just came to make a speech. He got invited. He flew in, made a speech, flew out again, only there for four hours. He said in the movie that the Nixon Justice Department had apparently indicted him just to scare the jurors. Seal doesn't really talk strategies with the other defendants, but his strategy as a, a leading person in the progressive movement at that time, his strategy was pretty clear because of the confrontational way that he dealt with the judge and with the whole process. Of course, he had every, every reason to be exasperated with them because he had absolutely nothing to do with what he was being put on trial for. During the trial, just to add gravity to the situation, during the trial, the Chicago police murdered Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton, of course, was the Chicago leader of the Black Panthers movement, and he's in the movie he sits behind Bobby Seale and uh, tries to help advise him and give him some idea what to do. The judge in the trial, infamously, had Bobby Seale bound and gagged in the courtroom. That's a very dramatic moment in the movie. And all you can really say uh, about the strategy of the Black Panthers at that time is that it was indeed confrontational. And whether or not it worked, uh, I will leave that to you. Yippie Party was formed specifically for the action to go into to the Democratic Convention. Its uh, spokespersons in the movie were Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin. And they pretty much steal the movie because they get all the good lines. They, their idea was to create a cultural revolution by mocking and making fun of the, uh, the establishment and particularly the judge and the proceedings at this trial. They would dress up. They would uh, make jokes. They would speak out of turn and they would accumulate uh, a number of uh, warnings from the judge. And, uh, and, but they were doing this. This was part of their strategy was to humiliate the time, the uh, status quo, the people of America, and to uh, show them through a humor uh, that they were just completely wrong. But during the movie, in one of the arguments, they were accused of being simple opportunists who were aggrandizing their own reputations and their book sales. So you can look at the, look at it that way too. Certainly they stole the movie, and certainly they had the most interesting and most fun approach to ending the war in Vietnam and to creating some kind of a new society. Uh, but as to whether or not it was successful, I'll leave that to you.
That was their strategy, and it was very clear in the movie, which is a, a big benefit of going to this movie because you get to see pretty much what they had in mind. Now, the Students for a Democratic Society was a mass movement. It did not last very long, but it had a tremendous impact on society and on the war in Vietnam while it lasted. In the movie, its main spokesperson was Tom Hayden, who used his anti-war fame to gain a very successful career in California politics. So he was a, a big name, a big orator, and a, and a big spokesperson against the war in, in Vietnam. He explains that his movement's goal, that he's building a mass movement, a very serious mass movement, in order to affect electoral politics in America and eventually get better candidates elected rather than, uh, rather than Hubert Humphrey or his opponent, uh, as it turned out, which was Richard Nixon. All of the defendants agreed on one thing. They did want to end the war in Vietnam. In that regard, history explains to us that they were on the right track. The war in Vietnam was tremendously affected by the movement. The war in Vietnam is probably the only U.S. war whose extent was severely limited by popular dissent. Now, if you go back through American history, you can see that there was always people who did not support the war. This was true in the American Revolutionary War. It was true in the Civil War. It was certainly true in the Mexican War, where people actually went to jail because of their opposition to the Mexican War. There was opposition to World War I, there was opposition to World War II, and there was certainly opposition to the war in Vietnam, but it was in Vietnam, it was in the war in Vietnam that we saw a, a profound effect of the movement that was, uh, that was very, very strong. In fact, it was that very movement that had caused Lyndon Baines Johnson to give up the presidency rather than run for what would have been legally his second term. He decided he wasn't going to run. He said Hubert Humphrey can have it, and that's what brought them to Chicago in 1968. These defendants also agreed that demonstrating at the Democratic Party convention was the right tactic. The Democrats, after all, had started the war under the Kennedy administration and had carried it to fabulous extremes under Lyndon Baines Johnson. One could argue that the Chicago demonstrations helped defeat Hubert Humphrey and put Richard Nixon into the White House. Nixon then carried the war even further, but we have no historical way of evaluating what the happy warrior Hubert Humphrey would have done had he been elected. So you can't really say, well, these guys caused Nixon to get elected and that that was a really bad thing. You don't really know how, how that affected the, uh, the war. The characters in the movie, especially Hayden and Hoffman, argue strategies. Viewers like you and I get to decide who was the most effective. And as I said, not all of the strategies were even discussed in this, and the strategy that I think finally carried the movement in, uh, against the war in Vietnam uh, was not, was not one, of the, one of the strategies being discussed but you got a very clear chance to see the difference between an anarchist and someone who wants to build a mass movement and create social change with a mass movement. Uh, I'm a mass movement guy, so 
I tended to side with them, but Mr. Hayden's idea that the whole point of the mass movement was to affect electoral politics may or may not have been as good as it could have been. So, what's the movie? It's, for one thing, it's a heck of a good movie, and it's a lot of fun to watch. But also, start thinking. We are, today, here in America, facing the prospect of another war. It may be a war that Mr. Trump starts in order to avoid uh, having to abide by the election in November. It may be a war that Mr. Biden starts after he gets elected because there's no way of getting around the fact that China is taking over the uh, economies of the world and taking a leading role that has been uh, enjoyed by the United States ever since 1945. So we're facing uh, the prospects of a war today, either with China or with Iran, or just continuing the wars that we're already in, in Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria, and uh, to, a, to a lesser extent in, in Africa. So we need to be thinking, what are the proper strategies? What's the best thing to be doing? And this is a movie that gives us a chance to think it through and make a decision for ourselves. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.